Hi, this is Father Neil here, and welcome to the April 21st episode of the podcast, Catechism with Father Neil. Today, we have a fairly large chunk of the catechism, but uh, it's a good chunk. It's talking about the church and the Catholicity of the church. So we have numbers number 830 to 856 of the catechism. Three, the church is Catholic. What does Catholic mean? 830. The word Catholic means universal in the sense of according to the totality or in keeping with the whole. The church is Catholic in a double sense. First, the church is Catholic because Christ is present in her. Where there is Jesus Christ, there is the Catholic church. In her subsists the fullness of Christ's body united with his head. This implies that she receives from him the fullness of the means of salvation, which he has willed, correct and complete confession of faith, full sacramental life, and ordained ministry and apostolic succession. The Church was, in this sense, fundamental sense, Catholic on the day of Pentecost, and will always be so until the day of the Parousia. 831. Secondly, the Church is Catholic because she has been sent out by Christ on a mission to the whole of the human race. All men are called to belong to the new people of God. This people, therefore, while remaining one and only one, is to be spread throughout the whole world and to all ages in order that the design of God's will may be fulfilled. He made human nature one in the beginning and has declared that all his children who were scattered should be finally gathered together as one. The character of universality which adorns the people of God is a gift from the Lord himself, whereby the Catholic Church ceaselessly and efficaciously seeks for the return of all humanity and all its goods under Christ the Head in the unity of the Spirit. Each particular Church is Catholic. 832. The Church of Christ is really present in all legitimately organised local groups of the faithful, which, insofar as they are united to their pastors, are also quite appropriately called churches in the New Testament. In them the faithful are gathered together through the preaching of the Gospel of Christ and the mystery of the Lord's Supper is celebrated. In these communities, though they may often be small and poor or existing in the diaspora, Christ is present, through whose power the influence and influence the one holy Catholic and Apostolic Church is constituted. 833. The phrase particular church, which is first of all the diocese or eparchy, refers to a community of the Christian faithful in communion of faith and sacraments with their bishop ordained in apostolic succession. These particular churches are constituted after the model of the universal church, it is in these and formed out of them that the one and unique Catholic Church exists. 834. Particular churches are fully Catholic through their communion with one of them, the Church of Rome, which presides in charity. For with this church, by reason of its preeminence, the whole church, that is, the faithful everywhere, must necessarily be in accord. Indeed, from the incarnate words, 
dissent to us, all Christian churches everywhere have held and hold the great church, that is, here at Rome, to be their only basis and foundation, since, according to the Saviour's promise, the gates of hell have never prevailed against her. 835. Let us be very careful not to conceive of the universal church as the simple sum or the more or less anomalous federation of essentially different particular churches. In the mind of the Lord, the church is universal by vocation and mission. But when she puts down her roots in a variety of cultural, social and human terrains, she takes on different external expressions and appearances in each part of the world. The rich variety of ecclesiastical disciplines, liturgical rites and theological and spiritual heritages proper to the local churches, unified in complete effort, shows all the more resplendently the Catholicity of the undivided Church, who belongs to the Catholic Church. 836. All men are called to this Catholic unity of the people of God, and to it in different ways belong or are ordered the Catholic faithful, others who believe in Christ, and finally all mankind called by God's grace to salvation. 837. Fully incorporated into the society of the Church are those who, possessing the Spirit of Christ, accept all means of salvation given to the Church together with her entire organisation, and who, by the bonds constituted by the profession of faith, the sacraments, ecclesiastical governance and communion, are joined in the visible structure of the Church of Christ, who rules her through the Supreme Pontiff and the bishops. Even though incorporated into the Church, one does not, however, persevere in charity, is not saved. He remains, indeed, in the bosom of the Church, but not in body, not in heart. 838. The Church knows that she is joined in many ways to the baptised who are honoured by the name Christian, but do not profess the Christian, the Catholic faith in its entirety, or have not preserved unity or communion under the successor of Peter. Those who believe in Christ and have been properly baptised are put in a certain, although imperfect, communion with the Catholic Church. With the Orthodox Churches, this communion is so profound that it lacks little to attain the fullness that would permit a common celebration of the Lord's Eucharist. The Church and Non-Christians, 839. Those who have not yet received the Gospel are related to the people of God in various ways. The relationship of the Church with the Jewish people. When she delves into her own mystery, the Church, the people of God in the New Covenant, discovers her link with the Jewish people, to whom the Lord our God spoke first. The Jewish faith, unlike the other non-Christian religions, is already a response to God's revelation in the Old Covenant. To the Jews belong the sonship, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the worship and the promises. To them belong the patriarchs and of their race according to the flesh is the Christ. For the gifts and the call of God are irrevocable. 8.14 
And when one considers the future, God's people of the Old Covenant and the new people of God tend towards similar goals. Exploration of the coming or the return of the Messiah. But one awaits the return of the Messiah who died and rose from the dead and is recognised as Lord and Son of God. The other awaits the coming of a Messiah whose features remain hidden till the end of time. And the latter awaiting is accomplished by the drama of not knowing or misunderstanding Christ Jesus. 841. The Church's relationship with the Muslims. The plan of salvation also includes those who acknowledge the Creator, in the first place among whom are the Muslims they profess to hold the faith of Abraham, and together with us adore the one merciful God, mankind's judge on the last day. 842. The Church's bond with non-Christian religions is, in the first place, the common origin and the end of the human race. All nations form but one community. This is so because all stem from the one stock which God created to people the entire earth and also because all share a common destiny, namely God, his providence, evident goodness and saving designs extend to all against the day when the elect are gathered together in the holy city. 843. The Catholic Church recognises in other religions that search among shadows and images for God who is unknown yet near since he gives life and breath to all things and wants all men to be saved. Thus a church considers all goodness and truth found in these religions as a preparation for the gospel and given by him who enlightens all men that they may at length have faith. 844. In their religious behaviour, however, men also display the limits and errors that disfigure the image of God in them. Very often, deceived by the evil one, men have been vain in their reasonings and have exchanged the truth of God for a lie and served the creature rather than the creator, or else living and dying in this world without God, they're exposed to ultimate despair. 8.45. To unite all his children scattered and led astray, the Father willed to call the whole of humanity together in his Son's Church. The Church is the place where humanity must rediscover its unity and salvation. The Church is the world reconciled. She is that bark which is in the full sail of the Lord's cross by the breath of the Holy Spirit navigates safely in this world. According to another image dear to the Church Fathers, she is prefigured by Noah's Ark, which alone saves from the flood. Outside the church, there is no salvation. 846. How are we to understand this affirmation, often repeated by the church fathers? Reformulated positively, it means that all salvation comes from Christ the head through the church, which is his body. Basing itself on scripture and tradition, the council teaches that the church, a pilgrim now on earth, is necessary for salvation the one Christ is the mediator and the way of salvation. He is present to us in his body, which is the church. He himself explicitly asserted the necessity of faith and baptism and thereby affirmed at the same time the necessity of the church, which men enter through baptism as through a door. 
Hence, they could not be saved, who, knowing that the Catholic Church was founded as necessary by God through Jesus Christ, would refuse either to enter it or to remain in it. 847. This affirmation is not aimed at those who, through no fault of their own, do not know Christ and his Church. Those who, through no fault of their own, do not know the Gospel of Christ or his Church, but who nevertheless ask God with a sincere heart and moved by grace, try in their actions to do his will, as they know it, through the dictates of their conscience, those too may achieve eternal salvation. 848. Although in many ways known to himself, God can lead those who, through no fault of their own, are ignorant of the gospel, to that faith without which it is impossible to please him. The Church still has the obligation and also the sacred right to evangelize all men. Mission, a requirement of the Church's Catholicity. 849. The missionary mandate, having been divinely sent to the nations that she might be the universal sacrament of salvation, the Church in obedience to the command of her founder, and because it is demanded by her own essential universality, strives to preach the gospel to all men. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always until the close of the age. 850. The origin and purpose of mission. The Lord's missionary mandate is ultimately grounded in the eternal love of the Most Holy Trinity. The Church on earth is by her nature missionary, since according to the plan of the Father, she has as her origin the mission of the Son and the Holy Spirit. The ultimate purpose of this mission is none other than to make men share in the communion between the Father and the Son and the Spirit of Love. 851. Missionary Motivation It is from God's love that all men, for all men, that the Church in every age receives both the obligation and the vigour of our missionary dynamism. For the love of Christ urges us on. In, indeed, God desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. That is, God wills the salvation of everyone through the knowledge of the truth. Salvation is found in the truth. Those who obey the prompting of the Spirit of truth are already on the way to salvation. But the Church to whom his truth has been entrusted must go out to meet their desire so as to bring them the truth because she believes in God's universal plan of salvation, the Church must be missionary. 852. Missionary Paths The Holy Spirit is the protagonist, the principal agent of the whole of the Church's mission. It is he who leads the Church on her missionary path. This mission continues and, in the course of history, unfolds the mission of Christ, who was sent to evangelize the poor. So the Church, urged on by the Spirit of Christ, must walk the road of Christ, Christ himself walked, a way of poverty and obedience, of service and self-sacrifice, even to death, a death from which he emerged victorious by his resurrection. So it is that the blood of the martyrs is the seed of Christians. 853. On her pilgrimage, the Church has also experienced discrepancy existing between the message she proclaims and the human weakness of those 
to whom the gospel has been entrusted, only by taking the way of penance and renewal, the narrow way of the cross, can the people of God extend Christ's reign. For just as Christ carried out the work of redemption in poverty and oppression, so the church is called to follow the same path if she is, if she is to communicate the fruits of salvation to men. 854. By her very mission, the church travels the same road journey as all humanity and shares the same earthly love for the world. She is to be a leaven and, as it were, the soul of human society in its renewal by Christ and transformation into the family of God. Missionary endeavour requires patience. It begins with the proclamation of the gospel to peoples and groups who do not yet believe in Christ continues with the establishment of the Christian communities that are a sign of God's presence in the world and leads to the foundation of local churches. It must involve a process of enculturation if the gospel is to take flesh in each person's culture. There will be times of defeat. With regards to individuals, groups and peoples, it is only by decrees that the church touches and penetrates them and so receives them into a fullness which is Catholic. 855. The Church's mission stimulates, stimulates efforts towards Christian unity. Indeed, divisions among Christians prevent the Church from realising in practice the firmness of Catholicity proper to her in those of her sons who, though joined to her by baptism, are yet separated from full communion with her. Furthermore, the Church finds it more difficult to express in actual life her full Catholicity in all its aspects. 856. The missionary task implies a respectful dialogue with those who are not yet, who have not, who do not yet accept the gospel. Believers can profit from this dialogue by learning to appreciate better those elements of truth and grace which are found among peoples and which are, as it were, a secret presence of God. They proclaim the good news to those who do not know it in order to consolidate, complete and raise up in the truth and the goodness of that God has distributed among men and nations and so purify them from every error and evil for the glory of God, the confusion of the demon and the happiness of man. So very well, a larger section today, uh, over 18 minutes of it. But uh, again, as always, this uh, section is important and um, I, really I just want to pick up on one thought because we've been reading for so long. But the thought I want to pick up on is how is the church, um, what is the, how, is, how can we say that the church is Catholic? What is this Catholicity? And I, I like this, um, this teaching that the fullness of the means of salvation are present in the Catholic Church. And this fullness, what is this fullness? At the very beginning of what we heard, 8.30 says, that this fullness is correct and complete confession of faith, full sacramental life, and ordained ministry in apostolic succession. So these three elements is what makes the Catholic Church Catholic. That it has the complete confession of faith, Again, a good expression of this complete confession of faith is the catechism. It's not the only, um, it's not the only expression, but it is a good expression of what this faith is. But so to believe this, 
to have a full sacramental life, which is the seven sacraments and the other liturgies of the church, the prayer of the church, and then the ordained ministry and apostolic succession. Why the ordained ministry? It's not so much that the, that we want to overemphasize the priest, the priest, uh, the ministerial priesthood, but we need um, we need the Eucharist to have the church. I mean, this is why um, the, that uh, the the on a on a technical level, uh, the Catholic Church doesn't call some of the Protestant groupings as churches with a capital C, shall we say? Because they're not, they don't have a valid Eucharist. They've lost this apostolic succession. They've lost the chain of, of uh, validly ordained bishops, which extends from the apostles to today. But unfortunately, this chain has been broken and they no longer have it. And their ministers aren't, um, basically, uh, don't have the capacity. Don't have the capacity to consecrate the Eucharist. And because they don't have the Eucharist, they're not really a church. Again, this is speaking on a, on a technical level. It's not that we can say to the Anglican Church that you're not a church. Or go to the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, and say, actually, you guys aren't a church. But in the technical Catholic sense, if you don't have a Eucharist, you're not a church. And this is why all of this is important, that we can, um, that the church has this means of salvation. It then, again, unfortunately... No Catholic fully lives these means of salvation. It's like you have access to all these things, but you don't use them. You don't live them to the fullness of your capacity. And it could be that somebody that's not a member of the Catholic Church is more Christian than somebody who is, because although they don't have the fullness of the means of salvation, they're living the lesser quantity of the means of salvation to a higher degree than the Catholic. That many times the Catholics despise what they have. And so to see that the church has this mission of bringing everybody to salvation, even those who are not Christian. So you have those who are not Catholic and those who are not Christian. And that everybody is kind of in circles around the Catholic Church. And the Catholic Church has the role to illuminate, to enlighten the whole world. And calling everybody to her. Again, the um, the, 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 the terrible other side of the coin is that if they reject this, if they reject the salvation, the only option left is hell. But that God is there wanting everybody to find this salvation and to enter the Catholic Church. But even those who don't enter the Catholic Church are close to her in different ways. So those other Christians are Catholic to the degree that they're Christian. And the non-Christians have got various connections with the Catholic Church, but that they're called First of all, to form part of the church, so they're called into the church, that the church needs to evangelize and convince, not coerce, but convince as many people as possible to become members of the church, to receive baptism and to become Catholic. And then if they, um, if they are not able, for whatever reason, to enter the Catholic church for any valid reason, uh, then they can be saved if they're living a good life, if they're following their consciences. Of course, if they're not living a good life, if they're rejecting their conscience, and especially it talks about those who know what the Catholic Church is and still refuse to become part of it and still leave the Catholic Church. These people are risking their eternal salvation, which again is a rejection of the gospel, a rejection of God, a rejection of his forgiveness. You know, this is, this is uh, 
this is what it's about, that God loves us so much that he leaves us free. And the church is the place where we are offered this salvation, that everybody is offered this salvation. It's Catholic, that it's universal. Every single person, that's why the Catholic Church doesn't really have national churches. It's not that a Chinese Catholic is different to a Catholic from Paraguay or one from, I don't know, from, from Belgium, that they're all Catholics. They all have the same experience. They all have the same means of salvation, maybe expressed slightly differently in different cultures. But this universality of the church means that everybody is welcome, everybody's accepted, and everybody's invited to conversion, to this change of life, to becoming holy, and to meet Jesus Christ. And meeting Jesus Christ, to experience his love here, and in the life to come, eternal life. So very good. So tomorrow we'll be looking at Numbers 8, 57 to 8, 65. God bless.